0: For oh, the times they are a
1: Welcome back to a Geek Explained Extra series that we're calling Watching the Watchmen, where every week we sit down and review the HBO Watchmen series. Uh, this week we are reviewing episode 5, entitled Little Fear of Lightning. I am your co-host, Eric Azana. And Chris Carter. And uh, yeah, first thoughts. I, I think this might be the best episode of the season so far. Absolutely agree. I thought this was really, really well done. The character work here, the tension, the the writing was phenomenal. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed yeah. it. We've talked before about uh, Lindelof's writing, how he's really put his own kind of spin on this genre. Yes. Like, we don't see... We have, at least, and I'm not huge on um, on his portfolio, mm-hmm. but I don't know that he's worked on a... Uh, comic book property before no, i don't think he has but i
0: do know that when he got this he said he he's been obsessed with watchmen because it's it's very grounded like you like we mentioned before <laughs> in reality you right. can take that and put a very today spin on it it's not mm-hmm. fantastical and i think there are elements of that in this but it's i think we've said it's it's very real it's very relevant in in today's society so i think that lindelof kind of he saw that in the property and he just kind of turned that into this magnificent show that we're kind of just uh, going
1: along with now. Yeah, and I think honestly it was um, his, like, you can tell that when we're talking about, uh, we were talking about this a little bit when we, uh, we went and got drinks last night, um, there is a certain amount of homogenization that comes through in a lot of modern uh, comic book storytelling. Mm-hmm. I'm going to adjust my gain here for a second okay um and i think this really sets itself apart not just with the tone the feel the um subject matter but really the the writing and everything that goes into it yeah
0: and they do such a great job with drawing allusions to current events or mm-hmm. things that we have kind of tragedies that we've kind of seen or witnessed throughout history Absolutely. and we'll get to that because i don't want to talk oh, about that now sure. I think that we have a lot to say about that but yeah the writing really grounds it i mean there's no other way to to really kind of say it and then of course you mentioned earlier the character work mm. we follow looking glass and i know right. he's a big favorite of yours big favorite of mine yeah and fan he's fantastic he is it is his story and, and and i'll let you take the reins on on kind of explaining the story or whatnot but it, it was so entertaining i right. mean this is the first time that i felt like this could be a feature film mm-hmm. like we're just kind of on the ride for that but um but anyway let's well
1: no and i don't, and i think that you know, this is going to be a little bit later in my notes, but I think it's totally okay to talk about it now. Um, I just want to give it up for Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. He yeah. kills it. in the subtle work. Right? episode. Absolutely. You know? And he's been putting in real work for the past four episodes, but this one is so focused on him and he does all of the heavy lifting for this episode and he just knocks it out of the park
0: yeah it's kind of this this definitely his is his episode and i remember us talking when we first started doing this about how many main characters did, did we think we were going to have right mm-hmm. so obviously angela um i think obviously Laurie, Spectre, and yeah. now it's kind of yeah it's interesting and i love the title and right. we'll get to the title and the meaning mm-hmm. to what it has to looking glass later but i i think that this uh, this this was a great one
1: and speaking of titles i have this in my notes here I, and maybe, you know, people have picked up on this before in other episodes, you can tell me if you have, but this was the first episode where I really realized there's no opening title sequence yeah, yeah. for this show. Um, as soon as, you know, you get the little recap and whatever, it just yeah. shuts, you know, Turns on the Watchmen logo, and right. then we just dive right into the In, episode.
0: The Watchmen logo is different every time, too. Like this one, it was the it, old it's made AM out and of radio. stuff. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. that's so cool. I think it's it's different. I think it kind of, and, and you had mentioned it before, like it kind of takes the title of graphic novel sequence, mm. but at the same time, yeah, I think it's kind of saying that there is no conformity. Like right. there is no status for this one. It's just it's different every single time.
1: Right, and I think it, but it's also really interesting. It sets itself apart from other HBO. Products yeah. because you see these. I mean, just throwing out one example, like Game of Thrones. It's sure. this like title crawl going yeah. through like the map of it's Westeros, almost and like it's iconic. Yeah, and it's a whole thing where this one very understated. It just goes straight into the episode, gives the logo, gives the title card a little bit like throughout in the first like five minutes, sure, and then uh, just dives right into it. But yeah, and I think <laughs> it's really interesting that they decided not to do that because a lot of times. <laughs> When you uh, think about shows, ti- uh, title cards, stuff like that, even you know with our Game of Thrones reference, um, there's a certain theme, right? Like a, a brand theme. song. Yep, you, you want that brand comes it. out, and yeah. you know, Game of Thrones. Anyone can da 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 And
0: you said it too. Uh, HBO Properties, Silicon Valley is a big one. Veep right. is a big one. Absolutely, um, and
1: all of those have title crawls and themes that everyone can immediately just. Oh yeah, I know that. Mm-hmm. I know that show. Mm-hmm. but i think it's really interesting here that you don't get that yeah but that is not to say that there isn't good music involved here because i wanted to yeah. spotlight the soundtrack yeah especially in this episode, in this episode we've had yeah. great uh, musical cues throughout the season so far but this again was the strongest i think yeah. and most recognizable as well sure. but the music that they used here was so well utilized
0: because it's subtle, right? It's, absolutely, it's, it's not like you're not playing it on a jukebox, and, and it's mm-hmm. and it's and it's different the way it's. Westworld, have you seen? Have you yes, seen that? oh, absolutely. So Westworld does that too. They does do it like really well. And
1: what? Yeah. what I liked about uh, Westworld's um, their score is that they took songs that we know today and put it through that spaghetti western filter. Yeah. Now they don't do that here. They play the song straight but the songs that they use really really well um emph- emphasize the story structure what the characters are going through mm-hmm. um i loved the use of new york new york yes, yes. by frank sinatra <laughs>
0: and did you see on the beginning sinatra boulevard or lane when mm-hmm. we were pulling
1: back so that was a so least, good so let's talk back. about that beginning let's yeah. talk about the opening so this episode like a couple episodes so far this season opens up with a flashback so we open up in hoboken 1985 so that's hoboken hoboken new jersey, jersey yeah. um and immediately when that time card came up i tensed up because the original Watchmen story takes place in november of 1985 mm-hmm. it's the end it's basically like the beginning of winter we're starting to end to that And so there's a lot of uh, fall imagery, but when it said 1985, it's nighttime, there's a fair out, I'm like, oh no. And it took me a second to remember where Hoboken was, but as soon as they mentioned that it was in Jersey, I was like, oh, they're too close. (laughs) They're way too close. They have to be talking about this. So we catch up with a young Wade, young looking glass. We don't know that at first. I didn't catch on that till way later. By the way, I was I think slow to the game on they that. Men, they mentioned earlier in the season his name is Wade. Well, so when right. they said his uh, his little pastor dude who is definitely creeping on him um, yeah. s- called him Wade, I was like, okay. So that, you knew that, right I, away. I, for me, it clicked. I was okay. like, okay, that's Looking Glass. I didn't know until later, and I think well, I don't and then know. he. He also made the point that he's from Tulsa. He
0: did say that. Yeah. But if you miss it, like if you. Oh, absolutely. You know, and they open with the flashback. It mm-hmm. wasn't like current day looking glass into the flashback. Right. It was the flashback. So, the context, well, you knew it mm-hmm. was kind of his story. I don't know if you knew. I didn't know mm-hmm. that that was him. And then, so I think that maybe some of the producers or directors knew that because. Mm-hmm. Later on in that episode, they made that very, very clear. Right, so in and in case you didn't like me,
1: like, oh yeah, you missed <laughs> it. But we'll make sure you get it eventually. No, but I think that that also works in a certain way when it comes to the storytelling because you don't know exactly what's going to happen to the characters in this flashback. You yeah. don't know them, yeah, and it's really interesting. Like we we get a lot of a lot of focus on uh, Looking Glass on Wade and his mm-hmm. backstory. Um, he hops out of a bus full of. I'm assuming Mormons. that yeah. It was a weird... It's, it, like, yeah. there's pandas. I don't know. Yeah. But they were there to essentially, you know, preach the gospel. Tell right, everyone the, the good on the word. the the
0: corner with the bullhorns on a Saturday night. Right. You know,
1: so... So, uh, weight goes up uh, to this just... As 80s punk gang as you could possibly get. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to, you know, spread the good word and they're bullying him. He gets taken away by one of the uh, female members who takes him into a funhouse. And if, looking back on it, if you didn't realize this was a looking glass episode, the Hall of Mirrors, I think, is yeah. a good indication <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. And it, it gets a little steamy there it for does. a second. I'm thinking, but yeah. immediately, and I think those of us who um, are familiar with this kind of like 80s uh, teen romance storytelling or even teen comedy storytelling kind of picked up on what was going to happen here. Because yeah. this random punk girl who hangs out with these guys who were bullying this kid, she's like, oh, no, come into a private area. Right. <laughs> now I'm going to start stripping day. you down. Yeah. But we also get references to um, the impending nuclear war, which was a big... Theme in the original Watchmen story, you know, the moving the the Doomsday Clock to To one one minute to midnight, midnight, and the girl strips him naked, steals his clothes, runs out, and um, he's just kind of left there. And I think it's really interesting when we later on look back on this being Looking Glass. He's arguing with himself, sure, and he's putting himself down. In like you deserve the mirror. Deserve this mirror, yeah. he's like, you deserve this. Yeah. You're a sinner. Like, and it's really, I mean, I don't want to get too, um, too into the conversation here, but there's a lot of like self-loathing and guilt in religion. Oh yeah. And it was kind of sad watching him like sure. verbally abuse himself. And you kind of get this feeling that there's a certain amount of that with his persona as looking glass. Yeah. You know him being this. You know stepping into as Lori called it the the racist machine. Mm-hmm. Um, them looking at their face, You know basically the um, the subjects looking into looking glass's mask and Which seeing is their own face. A mirror, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. And then we get the uh, this shockwave, The uh, mirrors break, and when Wade wakes up later on, he stumbles out of the. Hall of Mirrors and finds everyone—well, not everyone, but a vast majority of people—dead. Yeah, just dead. And you realize that this was the date of Veidt's squid attack. Right. And so I loved this. Well, I loved the usage of this too. Right. So they had they did a great
0: job of him coming out and then just pulling back. So you see the level of destruction right. and death. We see the buildings are on
1: fire. We mm-hmm. see... Yeah, it pulls right from New Jersey, right over whatever the water is there, yeah. into Manhattan. Yeah. And you see, like, the power blackout. Yeah. You see, you know, smoke and things on fire. Just the decimation that this huge alien squid did right. to people. And I think it's... We, for the first time, we really see it. We don't even... In the original comic, you don't even really get to see the squid in all of its you know, giant splendor and glory. Sure. It's just a, uh, a picture from a, uh, a TV screen in the original comic. Oh, and so us seeing like the fallout of this... Because again, in the comic, uh, Vite basically just tells the other characters about what's happened. We don't ever go to an on-the-street viewpoint of oh my god they just dropped this or this squid just dropped on manhattan mm-hmm. it's just him telling the quote-unquote heroes uh, of the story that yeah this is what's going on also you can't i'm not gonna be like a classic comic book villain and give you my monologue on what's gonna happen so you can stop me i already did it 20 minutes ago yeah. so getting to actually see the squid in manhattan you know the tentacles wrapped up everywhere yeah. it looked awesome it was great it was fantastic like the yeah. effects were really yeah. well done and that, that's
0: i absolutely agree that was that was that was an awesome looking part it took me back to like good good parts of pacific Rim and yeah. maybe better parts of godzilla it, it had that type of effect but i absolutely agree i thought it was wonderful you and i were talking as was happening though i didn't get why people had died yes right? so
1: like what was that about? So they they bring it up later on in the episode, which I'm glad because they never referenced it earlier in the season. But um, something that people kind of gloss over when talking about you know the squid incident, especially in the show as well, is that it wasn't just a giant alien squid being dropped in the middle of Manhattan. Um, that killed millions of people obviously but the second wave of that was after the squid was dropped it let out this psychic wave that overloaded and killed people in that blast radius of I think like 100 miles in every direction mm-hmm. something like that where people and we see it when he's coming out of the the fun um, house. out of the fun house, that's what it that was Yes, You're okay. like stigmata effect, like blood yeah. out of the ears, the, the, eyes, the, the eyes, the mouth, the nose. Nipples, yeah. You know, they, their brains were basically the exploded hem- in yeah. their yeah. heads. Yeah. Yeah. And so they never mentioned it in this season up until this point. And I'm glad that they finally, later on in the episode, they talk about the psychic attack. Because, yeah. I mean, even calling back to the comic in my circles, like I sometimes forget, like, yeah, there was the psychic attack that happened too. It wasn't just a squid. But... The whole idea of it being this extra-dimensional creature and all that stuff came from the psychic attack that killed so many people. Right. And I thought it was really well done how they showed the effects of that in that immediate vicinity at the fair in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So what, do you, what did you think of seeing the actual incident
0: I thought it was great. I yeah. thought that the way they did it, and I'm, I'm loved. I love they explained it to because to me, mm-hmm. I had no idea. And yeah. I even, I even, well, why did they die? Right? right. I get that initial impact. Sure, but then these people, and they make them they make a, it very evident. They are across whatever river body that is. I mean, yeah, we can Google that, whatever. But, but like, yeah, it crosses that. So these people that were where Wade is at, they're all dead. But they were nowhere near it. the the the, the, yeah. the squid being dropped. So at some point, some shockwave killed them. So I didn't get that at first. I loved the way they explained it later, but just the Absolutely. whole part of it, it's just the gravity. Wow, well, and, and really well done. And when you said it too, it's like, right before this happens, everything that he was probably told in whatever religion he's probably in is if you sin, bad things are gonna to happen to you. Well then, that is validated. As soon as, I mean, that's Absolutely. in that moment where he says, you know, you're a sinner. I don't know if he's, I think he said you deserve this. And if he didn't, it was mm-hmm. very overt. That that's what he was thinking. So for me, that was just fantastic, and and I I loved how it kind of shaped the world right. and kind of his world because yeah. you know we talk about we actually just recently about Batman v Superman where um, Bruce Wayne is seen. The battle between Superman and and Zod from a boots on the ground level, yep. yeah. So different points of view, different perspective will yield different experiences. Right. Obviously, right, Captain Obvious here. Of course. So this guy, like his his whole life has kind of has been shaped by this event. And right. we'll talk about the allusions to 9-11 later. But but well, I um... mean,
1: I I feel like it's it's now's a good as time as ever. Yeah. Because I think what what I what I really find interesting about this is no one ever refers to it as like oh man like the inning, the yeah. reckoning of the squid like or anything like that like they just they call it by the date yeah. 11, 2, 11 2 and they bringing it up a couple times this is the first time i remember hear, like hearing them reference it in the season so far they might I, have mentioned it earlier in the season but i missed it i didn't hear that but them basically referring to it as 11-2. Yeah. It's like, oh man, where were you on eleven two? Like, right. oh, I hear you were in Jersey. Um, sidebar, loved, when you're talking about different perspectives, um, Laurie talking to Wade about it. Oh, yeah. Because Laurie was a main character in Watchmen. Yeah. Who, was, who Adrian Veidt was explaining the plan to. <laughs> and so she knows the truth about all that stuff. We, and we'll we get into that Which later is a bombshell, well. by the bombshell. way.
0: Bombshell. Yeah, I was, to me, I'm like, this is i knew it was great story time now it's like it's really fucking good story. really really that, good yeah
1: but i love the like you said the allusions to 911 and of course being in new york and all that yeah. stuff as well yeah. um but this whole thing of 11 to 1985 mm-hmm. is like this 911 scale thing and i mean i i'm not going to make assumptions about this alternative history of the world but i don't think 911 happened I'm sure in this I, world I,
0: I'm in the same boat that you're in, I so
1: I think that when they look at stuff because American life was really looking back on it almost almost 20 years removed from it now 9-11 changed our entire culture yeah. as Americans mm-hmm. and changed our entire infrastructure pop culture like changed the lives of everyone mm-hmm. in different ways and i think that they the way that they kind of handled it here was really similar and really well done so what do you think about that well
0: i, I agree and i don't think we should talk about that yet until we have our reveal of kind of what happened because there are things um there's a very a very popular documentary called loose change about mm. september 11th right and it's and again i'm i i have seen it uh i i I guess I can't weigh on either side of it. I find okay. these things interesting. Where I haven't seen it once. Um, They're about how uh, 9-11, I'm sure you've heard of it, where 9, the United States actually destroyed the buildings. There were charges set in the World Trade Centers because of the way they fell, and there's some temperature and jet fuel that oh. cannot build, build like berms, still beams in the way they hit them, they say the jets hit them high. Why would it collapse down? It would collapse over, but Interesting. it fell straight down. That was a, and that was a big deal. And then people also on lower, like in the area, heard numerous charges again, allegedly in this right. documentary that just caused these buildings to come straight down. So where I'm huh. going with that is, is that people believe that in the and then again and there's this weird was thing where President Bush at the time was speaking at a uh, some elementary school or middle school, right? and what he was saying was these three words that just came out very weir- very very weird and very uncomfortable and just didn't didn't sit well with what he was saying to these kids. It turns out later that these words um, were told to him by a chief of staff in like code like hey, this shit's happening. So he was kind right. of got brain locked in saying this. And so it's very interesting that, hmm. that that could be made because again, when we get to our when we get to later in the episode right. um we can kind of talk about how, and again, Lindelof, he's very intelligent in this writing, so he's going Absolutely. to make parallels to that. And so if a country can kind of fabricate an incident that would galvanize the country into doing something, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds horribly evil, but horribly evil, horribly evil. men have run countries for right. since the beginning of time.
1: I mean, some people could say they're running one right now. Yeah, that's true. That's um, absolutely true. Well, yeah. So I and I think that's really interesting, and we will definitely get into that aspect of it as mm-hmm. we go along. But I I loved the focus going back to uh, to to Looking Glass and Wade. I loved getting to see more of him in this episode. Me too. He's been kind of on the fringe. He's been almost a a bystander while all the big events are happening mm-hmm. with Lori and with Angela. But with this episode, we get to see what his life is like. And yeah. you kind of forget, because we spend a lot of time with the uh, with the masked cops while they're on the job, that we kind of forget that these people have to have day jobs. Yeah. Quote unquote. Right. While they're because they're no one can identify yeah. as a cop. And that's just like the law. And you see that um, that Wade's day job is as market research a market research analyst. <laughs> <Focus group. laughs> he sits in you know this you know two-way mirror thing where he watches focus groups and then gives essentially an analysis and I loved how they bled into the opening from you know that panning back you know showing the destruction on eleven two, the squid and everything with new york new york being played by frank sinatra and then we dive right into this commercial for new york where it's like they're trying to get people Come to on, move man. back yeah. um and it's like some of it's so hokey yeah it's it, so bad it, like there's a cop who's just like Starting to think maybe I shouldn't have moved back to New York because it's so safe here. I might be out of a job soon.
0: Right, and it's like just
1: awful stuff. Right,
0: like that. and the restaurant owner is saying, "I like squid.
1: <laughs> I like calamari." You know what I mean? He's like, like, the <laughs> only way we have our squid is with a little bit of lemon and marinara sauce. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like, <laughs> it's, like, it's so right. bad. Yeah, and um, the focus group, of course, is just like, "Yeah, okay. it's good stuff." You know, ten out of ten. And afterwards, after everyone's left, like the people who are behind it are like. Going through the reviews. And Wade is just like, no, I hated it. (laughs) Like, I watched them. And you can see how he's using um, his skills, Mm -hmm. his deductive reasoning in both his day job as well as his police work. And I think it's really interesting because they do mention that he didn't join the police force until after the white knight. So, I'm assuming this is what he was doing before that. Yeah. <laughs> and he just continued to do it. But I think it's getting to see him, getting to see his origin, the way that they kind of built up his character, really gave him legs, and that he could actually participate instead of being kind of an onlooker to the events of the show. Sure. I think it was really, really good. And of course, again, Tim Blake Nelson knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Just his subtleties. Um I've always loved this just the sound of his voice. Wonderful. Like I the first film that I remember seeing him in was Holes. Oh. That was the first movie I remember seeing him in yeah. and then I was just I was really in intrigued by him as an actor and then the very next movie i saw him in was oh brother where art thou and that is my favorite role that he has played (laughs) this is this might just knock that role off of its perch because he is so good here so believable so believable as well that he you know born and raised in tulsa Mm -hmm. he is traumatized by everything that happened here, they bring up the idea of his mask being some kind of like Teflon style foil. Yeah. And, um, this interview with, or whatever it was, this exchange between him and Lori and, uh, her office, her basically saying like, I think it's really cute how like, you know, you wrap yourself in Teflon and, right. you know, to get all the psychic waves dry. out. Yeah. And you realize, cause we've seen him a couple times with, uh, Of course, with the mask on, but also with this trucker hat,
0: classic,
1: classic, um, midwestern look. Yeah. But and I don't know if you saw this. They bring it up a lot later on, but the very first time he comes home after doing his day job, and he takes the hat off, and you see the lining inside of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love that yeah because we've seen him wearing this throughout the season right and we finally get like this oh my god like he's really like still messed up by this well and not
0: just that i mean yes i did see that that was a quick cut too so you had to be super quick you had yeah. to be on that one but also last episode angela says they're just squids and he says they, they live for 30 seconds and they spent all of it dying, right? Mm-hmm. Like he kind of feels bad for him and right. she tells him he's fucking weird. Well,
1: but, and that's what happened with the giant squid too. Well, but,
0: that, but my, that's my point. Like, there's a lot going on with that character because like, mm-hmm. well, she sees and again, I go back to perspectives, right? Angela right. sees in this weird dude he's taking pictures of squids. She has no idea. Mm-hmm. What happened to him, in the way it happened to him, right. and whatnot. So I just think that that's part of his character, Absolutely. and I think that was just. And, and, but to your point, at him as they created this character, it was fantastic. I mean, um, he's doing the uh, uh, what was it extra dimension security? Yes. Right? And I want to talk about and this so, because
1: they, we've talked a lot about um, them doing really great world building, mm-hmm. and I think this episode. Because we, we talked about the first two episodes really kind of being world-building episodes. Yeah. And then the third episode was like a narrative episode. And the fourth episode seemed to be another world-building episode. Mm-hmm. This, I think, was the perfect blend of both. Yeah. With both narrative and world-building because, and I just have this here, um, EDS, the extra-dimensional security. Yeah. Uh, and just the idea, again, of there's a certain... Um, percentage of people in the world who know that this was um, not everything that everyone thinks it is and the fact that there's probably a good group of those people who decided let's make money off this Mm. and I mean it's capitalism sure but it's like it's sad in a way Mm -hmm. but also the world building that they did here um, the cloning technology yeah So we saw this back in um, the original Watchmen comic. Uh, Adrian Veidt, one of his many, many companies that he owned, um, was experimenting with genetic manipulation, bioengineering. Uh, His cat, Bubastis, famously um, gets killed at a certain point, and then he all of a sudden he has another one. Like, it's just perfectly cloned. (laughs) And we see that, once again, with... um, Uh, The True Corporation, having bought out Vite Industries and all their subsidiaries, they're probably just like let's just leak all of his stuff out and you see um, Wade's ex, his ex-wife works in this like animal cloning clinic. (laughs) And it's like and I think it was really interesting because we are also we watched part of this with uh, with Jessica who's yeah. also been a guest on the podcast, and she immediately was super uncomfortable <laughs> at the idea of making a perfect clone of your pet. Um, I think that opens a lot of like really touchy subject doors, like sure. soul. Oh, religion, you know, ma-
0: a, does a clone have a soul? Does right. It, yeah.
1: And I mean, even as a pet owner, it's just like you almost, especially depending on like cost and everything it's like oh my pet's sick well I'll just clone it and then we can off this yeah, one and it's true. still so it's
0: really dicey yeah. it's a
1: really touchy subject
0: which would be great to explore too by the way that—that's that, uh, that's a deep rabbit hole
1: for sure I agree but I also really liked and we got a good focus on this as well um, outside of his police work outside of his market research work he also runs a support group the extra dimension anxiety support group and they meet at this church and they're all talking about basically PTSD, but it's a, it's an extension of that because now, I mean, we talk about, especially nowadays with, um, superhero and comic book, uh, knowledge being more mainstream than it's ever been. The idea of like the multiverse of multiple dimensions of other worlds, Mm. but, this explores the idea of what if that was legit common knowledge that oh there are other dimensions so is anything real is anything true Do, should we care and having that like anxiety and that ptsd about it i thought was fascinating
0: yeah and i think that a big part of that too and, and uh, I, I think and i don't want to talk about it too much but i think religion kind of creates that narrative and i know that um you know monotheism going back it, it can be trace back to where some of the pharaohs in egypt they needed to create this workforce and so it's like well, mm-hmm. let me create a religion where is if you do this you're good if you don't you're bad well it in this case where it's got this extra dimension i wrote that down to extra dimensional anxiety it's like if you now know this then mm-hmm. how does your psyche handle it and i i love what what one of the actors was saying was there's genetic trauma that's kind of right. passed on which honestly i believe that's actually a real thing too i know that um Really? Oh, yeah, uh, a bunch of soldiers that served in Vietnam that got PTSD. I think they called it shell shock. Because you know PTSD throughout history has had different names. Oh, shell shocked. I think uh, so. There was the one syndrome in World War Two. Whatever. Right. It, it's PTSD, and so the kids that they've had will inherit things like that. That's like they'll have interest Yeah, because it like cooks into your gene, which also conversely is also how evolution handles evolution. Where huh. that's why people i watched this great story on a i'm kind of having arachnophobia ish i'm thinking
1: of this. i i it, am right there with you so
0: what where that stems from <laughs> is that our ancestors however fucking far back we go at some point um they had dealings with poisonous spiders heavily and so mm. it was ingrained in them to not go near them to be afraid of them the same thing with birds and snakes a bird is always afraid of a snake, no matter what. That's why people will put like rubber snakes on top of their uh, coolers, AC units. Right. Go back to Tucson. Yeah. Uh, hawks, same thing. They mm-hmm. know that these things are dangerous. They may never have encountered
1: one. It's right. it's
0: it's something that gets passed on genetically. Interesting. And so, like, it's yeah. That, it's I've like never evolution. Heard,
1: I've never heard of that. It's fascinating. Before. Yeah. And I think like that also caught my eye when he was talking about you know this guy was saying that he wasn't born for like ten more years. Yeah. After. The events of this, but that it still like messes with him. What
0: a great yeah. And
1: that trauma can be almost like hereditary. Yeah, I think is fascinating. Yeah. And the idea behind that of this again, this kind of traumatic event, I would be really interested. We mentioned nine eleven before. You know, the people who were living in New York do. Is there any kind of residual effect for their kids? That's a you wonderful. Know, who yeah. were born however many years afterwards. yes yeah. So that's, I think, a really interesting concept. You know, I think when, when, we haven't really heard of, or I haven't, I'd never heard of it before, but I hadn't really, I've never heard of it being used in uh, in narrative fiction before.
0: Yeah, I imagine it being kind of. Yeah, that that's true too. It's it's huge in evolution circles. I I was I was a nerd like that, and I read a lot of stuff when I was in college. But it's it's exceptionally interesting. Uh, But it's it's usually in combat. Right. And uh, I said a lot of stories about Vietnam and from World War Two. And yeah, it's because I think that it's very. I think combat's very specific. Of I think course. that where 9 11, it's, well, yes, it is a horrible event, it's not specifically to you. Where combat is right. some person directly trying to kill you. Right. You're not a byproduct of some terrible thing that's happened, right? And, so, and I mean,
1: that's, but I don't think that. I mean, it's not like diminishing their. Of course, experience I'm not in no ever. way. Am I trying to say that. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: equally horrible, absolutely. Yeah. But I think the way it hits your whatever system it is, whether it's mm-hmm. your genetic, nervous, psyche—I I don't know because right. I don't have the chemical. I am not Not that smart, but <laughs> but it is interesting to think about. Yeah, I will say so though, it's funny in that meeting. It gave me a very. Uh, um, End game feel. Yes, when absolutely. Sitting, I really kind of they I, talked
1: about the snapping. Yeah, they didn't call it, <laughs> that. but um, just we should trademark that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Um I think it's really interesting the parallels again when we talk about you know how um, homogenized a lot of superhero uh, media is today. I and again just spitballing off the top of my head. I could be wrong. Um, I didn't see a lot of like support groups in superhero media until Endgame. And I think that with the new kind of layers that a lot of um, comic book media have brought to it nowadays, we saw it in Joker a little bit with mental health and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But getting to see heroes or people who just live in the same world as heroes going through trauma and trying to process it, I think is a fascinating narrative you saw idea. the boys right the boys oh yes absolutely you so right so that was the
0: second i again and, and i think endgame really kind of and it was and, and it was great right Cap mm-hmm. talking to to i think it was anthony or joe i'm not sure which one right. but that was great but in the boys, in the boys, you're yeah, right. Absolutely. When, when they have that moment, and uh, it's like and, collateral
1: damage. Exactly. Basically. You know,
0: and Carl Urban is sitting there, and he's listening, and of course, again, his his character is fucking oh, so fantastic, and Carl he's great in everything.
1: We know he listens to those podcast. Yeah, thank so. you, Carl. Great job, Carl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but um, but that's a part of it too, where they are living in that world, and they you nailed it. They are collateral damage because uh, they are supers. You know. So yeah. So yeah. So that was a good one to handle it too. But again, that came out after end game that right. and then this so maybe we're seeing kind of something like that and i really think that grounds it i mean and, and i think groups, i think it's great especially yeah. now it is like
1: more more so i think again than ever before this focus on mental health and getting the help that you need and people suffering through mental illnesses i think the focus on that in our current socio political climate is stronger than it's ever been and wanting people to get help wanting people to know they have a support system is great yeah and having that in our superhero media i think also reinforces this idea that we're stronger together
0: yeah and that's a great medium to do that too because i know that initially when we do superheroes we're talking about comics and then movies and then whatnot but they're also used as Set pieces for reality. Right. I mean, we're just trying to tell this story and it's a satire, mm. but realistically, there's a real message here and just we can absolutely. use this medium to tell it. And I think you're absolutely right. Mental health, man, that's, um, that's, that's a big deal now. And it so it is. So many people I mean, living in LA, dude, I, I'm sure you've seen people just talking to themselves. like right. I, Like, as clear as I'm talking to you right now, mm-hmm. they are talking to no one. And so, it's a big deal.
1: Absolutely. And in LA, it's, I would say, more prevalent than I've ever experienced it. Yeah, but at the same time, I think in what I have really, um, I'm really proud that it's been keyed into is that it's not always that clear mm-hmm. as someone, you know, muttering to themselves on sure. the side street um, it mental illness has a wide spectrum yeah, chemical the imbalance,
0: j- depression anxiety uh, anxiety i anxiety. go through
1: such heavy bouts of anxiety like all the time mm-hmm. and it's like getting to see that you know you're not alone that other people are going through this stuff yeah. is empowering yeah because they, they're able to go through i saw this wonderful um saw this wonderful video that um, Bill Hader did. Shout out to Bill Hader. Also the lead of a HBO property. (laughs) Who Um, has a good open, but it's a very distinct open. Absolutely. (laughs) Super good. Um, But he was talking about his anxiety because he has really bad anxiety. And he talks about, you know, every day having to kind of deal with it and still work their work is with through their job and I yeah. think honestly and it's so sad it, to me it's sad that it took uh, so many of us so long to recognize how good he is as an actor yeah. he's one of the great actors right now just yeah. Working today, and to see him do such great performances again and again and again, and also kind of looking back and being like, throughout all of these performances, he was having anxiety attacks almost on the daily. Wow! Like it's it's fantastic, and yeah. it's really it helps me as someone who goes through stuff like that be able to say I'm not alone. We're well, in this it's together. Great.
0: It's great in this day and age too, because. Um... That was handled very differently. I mean, thirty years e- ago. I mean, you even have- just ten to fifteen years right. ago, like, I, I can imagine the amount of cirrhosis that was caused mm-hmm. by the copious amounts of drinking. Because I mean, yep. men were men, right? Men so were, we were men. Gonna, Yeah. How I have a bad day. I'm, I'm, I just can't. I'm going to have a glass of whiskey, and then all yeah. of a sudden I start beating my wife. It's just there's so many bad things that happen with that. And so, you know, I, I absolutely agree that the, that the vocality of people that have anxiety, they're in a position to influence. Are now coming out to say that it's, right. it is exceptionally empowering, and it's it, it is crippling. It, yeah. it
1: really is. it can be, you know, anxiety, depression, just smacking your mic like anything. <laughs> like mental illness is a real thing, and I think that the fact that they're addressing it in something as high profile as an HBO premiere show mm-hmm. on a popular comic book property right. is great. Yeah, and I think that it's it's a good move it's a good move and I'm glad that we're seeing it and I hope we see more of it me too but um, one last thing in the world building section that I really wanted to touch on and they only mentioned this a little bit and as a viewer you would be forgiven if you watched the episode and forgot about it Pale Horse yes Um, the woman who shows up at Wade's uh, support group talks to him after they go to the bar about this film Pale Horse there was never a Pale Horse film made by Spielberg Steven Spielberg. Spielberg in 1992 but never came out but in this world there was because i think on, again fascinating um pale horse was the band that was playing at the at Madison Square Garden when the uh the when Swiss the squid Street. dropped yeah. and so um Steven Spielberg basically made this film and we've seen this a couple times Especially in the last decade, basically making a film about the fallout of eleven two, mm-hmm. and we've seen films, you know, of people experiencing nine eleven. We've there was um that film like um, incredibly loud and and uh, yeah, inc- incredibly loud and super close or something. Yeah, like that. something like that. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, and uh, then United
0: ninety three too. Yes, couple, yeah,
1: absolutely. And seeing those kind of like films nowadays, you know, it's interesting and it brings out a lot of feelings and i mean if anyone was going to make something about you know a giant squid dropping on new york and just the magnitude of that it would be steven spielberg yeah i it's funny i had a different take on that um did you think it was schindler's
0: list they're talking about because you know in schindler's list there's a girl in a red dress everything is in black and white except that oh and she's going through the bodies i did not and so no when did Schindler's list come out so i don't know the i don't know the year it might not be 92 i'm gonna look this up but right now. i think what they're talking about is the way he shot that it was directed by spielberg it had a little girl in it in a red dress and then you follow her and then she ends up going in one of the carts and, it, and it that
1: movie out. came out in 1993 you really are was? you have to be spot on <laughs> has so, to be spot on
0: so and then again I, I believe lindelof is jewish I, I i'm almost sure he is but even then again we're creating a parallel to god, that the layers, Holocaust just, in that oh so, my god which is interesting i don't think and again i, I i'm not jewish I, right but at the same time it's difficult and maybe that's what it needs to be i think it should be difficult i think good good films and good storytelling should be difficult they're drawing a clearer i think line between this event and something that happened to millions of Jewish people in, right. in Eastern Europe. So, but I, I really think that's what they're talking about. That's I so. Bird.
1: I never would have caught that. That's yeah. amazing. So instead of making Schindler's List, he makes exactly. Pale Horse. Right. That's fascinating. So, so I and and I. I and that's, that's that's what i think that she was talking
0: about won a million awards right one see this
1: is awards. what we're talking about this is why chris is on the podcast <laughs> he knows his film stuff he knows what <laughs> he's talking about Steven here and i just man. god that's fascinating I, I never would have caught that. yeah so i think that that
0: was part of it but it just it lends to the gravity in that story of how they see that event mm-hmm. and it's you know so I that's that incredible interesting
1: well and as we go along um we talked about him going to his uh, ex-wife, and you find out that she, of course, is a very well, um, well-established geneticist and all this stuff. So, they are picking up a thread from the past couple episodes where they're trying to figure out what the pills are mm-hmm. that uh, Angela's grandfather has, and she, you know, analyzes them and everything. And she gives them back to Wade, and she says that they're nostalgia. I loved that.
0: So, is that in the comics? Yes. Oh, so, okay, okay. okay. And here we're gonna freaking talk itself. about it. All
1: right. <laughs> here we go. We're talking about nostalgia, aka the Vite Corporation's uh, flagship men's and women's perfume. We're going from Chris's. Uh, knowledge of Schindler's List to my knowledge of comic book male perfumes. That is here.
0: why we are a team. We friend. are a fucking <laughs> team.
1: Uh, but yeah, so in in the comic, and there's another theming with um, in that book uh, out of the many themes was that uh, Veidt's company, along with all of the other different avenues that they had their fingers in, were also in the perfume business. And their most successful perfume was called Nostalgia. And they make allusions to it. And there are moments within the actual book where people are just like, this smells like shit. <laughs> but it's like, it's what, you know, it's what uh, Vite Industries, it's their flagship perfume. It's like what they are known for in that realm. And a big part of that book when it comes to that is that Vite, uh, Vite Industries is phasing that out and bringing in a new uh, formula which they kind of allude to as the exact same formula but it's called Millennium. Oh. So we're going from nostalgia to Millennium. This I came see. out in 1985, 15 <laughs> years before the new Millennium. I see. Um, for those of you who are math geeks there, 15 years. So this idea that you know we're getting rid of nostalgia to welcome in the Millennium, I thought was it's very overt in the comic and the fact that they brought it back here I think is really interesting but they did an interesting twist on it where nostalgia isn't just a perfume in this in 2019 of the Watchmen universe it was also a some kind of mind altering pills that hold your memories mm-hmm. and again we're talking about you know that fancy 23 and me from a previous yeah. episode yeah. the idea that you can condense your memories into pills awesome. and that would allow people who have Alzheimer's people who have dementia oh, shit, uh, yeah. to be able to take them to remember not just who they are but who everyone is around them I think is fascinating Yeah. and yeah. the idea that in their world nostalgia was discontinued because <laughs> of you know Everything that you would expect, yeah, something like that doing, I think, is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, we could spend time on that too. I, oh I, my god, I love we, can we could spend hours like, on that. Yeah, we. Could,
0: I, I love, I love that we can do that. We can pick, we can pick parts of the show mm-hmm. and we're just kind of like let's talk about that. Yeah. And I think it's it it says a lot about the show. I mean, yeah. Again, like, the world building here is so small. Yeah. So would you call would you call this a sci fi show at this point? I would. I would. I, there I are would lots too. of sci
1: fi. Um, Lots of sci-fi elements. I, I yeah, at this point, like, and I I, I think we
0: we both love that. So yeah. I was just wondering at this point because I don't bill it as a sci-fi show, and I don't think they necessarily. It's not overtly sci-fi. No. It's got sci-fi elements to it. Very well, but of,
1: but the uh, the original Watchmen show did as well with the idea well, yeah. of how, or the Watchmen show. The original Watchmen comic did with the creation of Doctor Manhattan. That's science yeah. fiction. That's true. Yeah, and I think that cuz a lot of people myself included I don't look at Watchmen as a science fiction story but I love that we're getting into higher concept science fiction in this show sure. and again it just shows cross genre storytelling right. works world building too yeah. you know and this is also you know a cop procedural this yeah. is also a detective story it's a murder mystery mm-hmm. uh, with the killing of their captain like there's all this stuff going into it but um we got to get to the big Big stuff. Yeah. And that involves the Seventh Cavalry. Mm-hmm. So going into the the denouement of this episode, um, unfortunately Tim Blake Nelson he's Wade, but he's just so Tim Blake Nelson, <laughs> as playing Tim Blake Nelson in the show. Um, first of all, as a side note, with the girl at the bar, when they go outside and he sees her like leaning up with the smoking. That was charming as fuck. It was. Like Tim Blake yeah. Nelson, I'm there looking was at him and I was like, that is a charming man. Yeah. There was a moment I'm like, all right. Good yeah. for you. Right. Good and he's you. got you know, he's got this, you know, redneck, uh, handlebar mustache. He's a little he's a little gracie, a little gross looking. But his wife or his ex wife says, You could have the pick of the litter of any girl you want. And I'm just like, Really? Yeah. But in <laughs> right. that scene, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he can. Good for you. I see it. Now. Ladies <laughs> man here. But <laughs> Um, so she leaves. Uh, her ride shows up in this familiar-looking truck, right. and a uh, little bit of lettuce falls out. And did as you it, know drives it was lettuce away. when it fell? No.
0: Did you have any Did you think it was? Lettuce? I,
1: I well, and it's funny because they mention it yeah. earlier in the episode when uh, Red Scare, aka the best character in the show, um, <laughs> Is Manhattan, eating a sandwich. Apparently. He's Doctor Manhattan. He's Doctor <laughs> Manhattan, and. I don't think it's a coincidence that Red Scare was talking about um, hooded justice on the show being Dr. Manhattan. (laughs) He's trying to throw off the scent.
0: Hey, they they hung on that moment for a while. They did.
1: Because they're gearing up for the reveal that it's been Red Scare as Dr. Manhattan (laughs) the whole time. Um, You heard it here first on this podcast, remember. Um, But you see the head of lettuce and you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. So... um, so Looking Glass follows them and of course you find out that this girl that he just spent time with really had a great connection with like part of the 7th Cavalry yeah. absolutely she's the first you know likable person in the 7th Cavalry that we've seen mm-hmm. and I my heart sank for him. Yeah. Because his wife even says, like, you always pick the girls who give you kick trouble. You, well, like, kick or you in the k- balls. kick you in the too. balls, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so true. Oh, God. <laughs> so he follows them to this warehouse. He radios in to who he thinks is uh, the station. And he goes in. And as soon as he starts to go, you know, Rambo in on by himself, I'm like, no. Yeah. You're not solid snake. You can't do yeah. This. Right with the six, with like, the revol- yeah going yeah. in there, and you find out that the seventh cavalry, on top of them being basically you know modern day KKK, I think I added an extra K there. Um, they are also now experimenting with Veidt's Manhattan technology, mm-hmm. and we saw this in the original comic where Veidt was using the whole the whole impetus by which he's able to transport that giant squid from his island of monsters onto new york is by utilizing the particle abilities that dr manhattan uses to teleport and using that to basically engineer reverse engineer it to make portals and make you know you can drop things anywhere and now the seventh cavalry has that tech and i think that's scary yeah um and then he finds out that it was all an elaborate ruse to get him in the building, that the lettuce dropping out was staged, that the uh the call on the radio The call on the radio objected. was them yeah. and he I thought he was dead. So did I was I. just like, he's and I knew it, and I was like, You gotta kill Tim Blake Nelson after yeah. you made us care about him so much. But no. They bring him into another room with all these TVs, very reminiscent of Matrix. the not just the matrix but yes the matrix um but in the original watchman comic when veit tells this you know tells his master plan to the heroes he's backlit by these hundreds of tv screens Mm. that are showing the events in new york where he dropped the squid and i thought that was a great parallel a great callback um, but the leader of the Seventh Cavalry sits down with him, and just like we called episodes ago, it's Senator Joe Motherfucking Kane. Yeah, you called um, it though specifically. Joe Kane wasn't right because he was too squeaky he was, clean. He he, was. he really was, and I knew there was going to be something up with him. I did not expect him to be the leader. No. of the Seventh Cavalry, and he drops a bombshell, and he glosses over it that Judd was too. Yeah, and. I think we're gonna get more info on that next episode. Yeah, the, the, the preview definitely, definitely the showed a lot yeah. of that. But um, I'm fascinated, and again, we're talking. We talked about like conspiracy theories and mm-hmm. everything. You know, there's the idea that the Illuminati controls everything. Right. If you're listening, Illuminati, don't. Uh, yeah, don't we're, come good after us. We're, we're good that. people. We're good people. I would love to get a cool triangle. Yeah. Um, no, but it's really interesting that. At least in Tulsa There's this secret like shadow pact That is kind of running things And you know quote unquote As Keen says keeping the peace right. Where it's like he's got the politician Stuff down Judd has the uh, Police force down And all of this stuff and you Hear Keane say that They basically established That after the white knight mm-hmm. Where he basically took control Of the group so that that wouldn't Happen again so he's trying to keep the peace, and so he wants Angela off the board because she's she threatens that piece. Yeah. And so he has a disc, and he basically says, "I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to show you something, and after you watch it,
0: you're free to go." Well, he gives him the choice of watching it. That was the big caveat. He that's says, true. Watch it or not, it's up to you. But if you watch this, it will set you free. Yeah. That that's what he said, and so. You know, I thought he wasn't going to watch it, and I'm like, please God, watch it. It's like, you have to. <laughs> and you, you have to with that kind of stuff. Yeah, setup. yeah, yeah.
1: And so, anyway, continue. And so the, the thing starts, thing starts up, and it's Adrian Veidt in 1985. And I think they did a good enough job... Of de aging Jeremy Irons here, yeah, with the you know '80s filter on their TV there you go. And, the everything. VHS waves a, and everything. They got a they had a lot of a yeah, uh, lot of smoke and noise. mirrors to shadow it up, yeah, making his hair like actually blonde and not hair yeah. anymore. <laughs> I thought, well done enough for again a TV budget, but um, it shows that. And I'm assuming you know this had to be uh, during. And I think this is fantastic. You know, in retrospect, in hindsight, looking at this, this. This video that he's recording happens during the events of the original Watchmen story, mm-hmm. and him telling President Robert Redford, yeah. who is elected in '92, I think it said. Yeah, um, that's right. He's Seven like, "How out. do how do I know that you were elected?" Well, it's because I planned it. And again. Adrian Veidt having his fingers in everything um, he basically lays out the truth and the truth is there is no extra dimensional creature. The squid was developed and um, built and engineered by Veidt and his team. It was a ploy, a plot to bring the world together that was on the brink of nuclear Armageddon. Everything's been a lie and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is fascinating because the end of Watchmen, the original end of the Watchmen comic, was Rorschach's journal where he details all of this by being the villain in this story in his journal gets dropped off at a, um, a news publisher. And as far as I can remember, no one's talked about that. Okay. So I don't know if that's happened yeah. in this or not. But it was um, it was surmised, or at least assumed by me as a reader, that that means that the truth's going to come out, Vite's going to be vilified and run out, and then the world's going to be right back where it is. It's a tragic ending to a tragic story. But here, we see that the lie's been maintained mm-hmm. for over 30 years. And wade now has to sit there and like you said earlier his entire life was shaped by this incident and by this belief that there's this extra dimensional creature that dropped out of the sky and killed everyone that was around him and to find out that that whole thing is a lie is incredible yeah and there's a whole
0: bunch of this this segment that that we could talk about and i think that Part of it is what you mentioned that this terrible thing happens because uh, you have to kill a bunch of people to save a whole bunch more people, it's the right? Whole so they're one minute away from midnight. Greater good, yeah. Yeah, and so when he does that, I think that, I don't know if he, he I think he means to do that. I think when the squid was dropped, I think he knew that he was doing this to save a shit ton of people. Oh yeah, and he talks about
1: him. it in the comic, like that was his intention.
0: So, and then I think that, Again, I draw an turn an allegory to today's kind of... And I go back to 9-11. Right. Because there was that thought where...
1: This again, was an not, inside job to yes, unite the country.
0: Exactly. And so, yeah. you know, there was that point. And, and then the, the flip side to that is that you can look back on it. And Joe Rogan, again, shout sure, out to Joe Rogan. Shout sure, out Joe Rogan. Joe um, Rogan, we know he listens to the podcast. Uh, hey, Joe. He said that it was... To be an American the day after 9-11 was, um, was incredible. Because everybody was on the same side. Everybody was like... We need. We're doing this. We're mm-hmm. validated, vindicated, and this is what we're doing. Period. This this right. event galvanized the country. Mm-hmm. Same thing for this event, right? This right. event galvanized not just the country but the world, right? right. It's like you now we have to focus our efforts on this thing,
1: this invisible right. threat,
0: which again now we see that was all bullshit, and yeah. so, you know. Wade creates his, you know, he's got his EDS system mm-hmm. just in case they come back. He, you know, he's like, just, I need it overnighted. We have that scene yeah. earlier. It's like, you know, mine's malfunctioning. Yeah, we'll the box get is malfunctioning. Yeah. He's, he's just like, like I no, need- I, ha- I
1: need this now. Yeah.
0: And they said, you know, I'll pay whatever. And so it just goes to show that he is is all in on that. And of course, yeah. well, I mean, he, he's got his
1: bunker and we everything. We go back
0: to something we glossed over was that he sleeps with his mask on. Yes. Why and he, he sleep sleeps with his mask in on?
1: the bunker? Yeah. He doesn't sleep in his own home. So it's something that he fully
0: believes that hey, mm-hmm. it, when this happens, it's controlled again, his life exactly. You know, and so, and of course, you create this. You create this shelter uh, literally of shelter a bomb shelter mm-hmm. for your life and now you realize it was all bullshit it was all you
1: bullshit. didn't need to do that so
0: and what did you take away from that and how did you feel when you heard that because
1: a lot was happening at that right point, right well and it's it's really interesting because um if you came into this not having read the comic not knowing that it was a hoax not knowing all of this stuff this is a huge mind-blowing episode yeah um for me once again it's having ha having had that prior knowledge of it it's almost it's sadder it's it's tragic it really is because this guy has focused the entirety of his adult life on building the shelter obviously at had a hand in ending his marriage and possibly um losing custody on a child because there was bunk beds yeah. across from him um And he basically has his entire life and his entire worldview shattered Mm -hmm. in this moment. Um, And he's one of the few characters who really kind of seemed to know what he was about in this show.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, Angela's realizing her heritage. Uh, Lori is struggling with this idea that she used to be a vigilante and now she's hunting down the people she used to represent. Um, Lots of conflicting uh, pathos and ethos, but... Looking Glass always knew what he was about. It's was a very it's, simplistic man. Yeah,
0: and they set that up that way. They go to him to figure stuff out mm-hmm. about themselves, other people. You know, right. you don't go to someone who doesn't have it together for themselves yeah. to ask about other people. You yeah, know what I mean? and it's,
1: it's a mind-blowing thing realizing that everything you've committed your life to is a lie. It's basically yeah. like going up to a character like Red Scare and telling him you're not Dr. Manhattan. Like, it just destroys his entire worldview of his life.
0: <laughs> that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go.
1: <laughs> just when they think they've got the answers, I change the question.
0: It's, it's, I think, jumping, because you are talking that to the end, but there are some in between. He throws, of course, his EDS, mm-hmm. it, was it, extra-dimensional security yeah. systems now in, right? It, you
1: know, he he had it overnight. Overnighted. And again, this takes place in the course of 24 hours.
0: it Right, It so much happens in the Absolutely. show so fast, and we don't even know if it like other things are happening that we've already seen. Right, so he and so it's funny. So he he suddenly throws it away. Right,
1: but but then he goes he back goes back and it. he gets it. So and there's an interesting you know there's this um, there's a lot to be said about cynicism. There's a lot to be said mm-hmm. about. He even when he sits down and he talks to Angela on the uh, little phone, he says, "Is anything true? Yeah, is anything real?" And he like you see how much it's broken. It's him. broken. Him. It's, it's totally bro- broken. That's, absolutely that's the broken. Perfect him. word for it. Yeah. And he is just completely destroyed as a person. Mm-hmm. And so you see all of the impact that that would have on a person. And you think about like. um the only person who really knew the truth were the heroes of Watchmen and Adrian Veidt for what I'm assuming are those first seven years Mm -hmm. for those first seven years that's all it was and then President Robert Redford on the day of his inauguration I'm still waiting for Robert Redford to show up Um, on the day of his inauguration he gets this anonymous tape from a Mr. Adrian Veidt oh that famous philanthropist and businessman what's going on here who explains to him that hey this was a lie, and now you and I are the only ones who know. They and I got you into office, and we're going to keep perpetuating this lie yeah. to save the world. So from there, they've been peddling this lie for over 20 years just to maintain this shaky world peace. You
0: know, and I think about it, and I love the the real-life kind of parallels you have because... Do you think that at some point in time, somebody said to some president of the United States, we're going to save a lot of lives, but you need to, we're going to save a ton of people,
1: but you have to continue to perpetuate lie a with lie. Me. Exactly. Oh, I absolutely believe something like right. that happened. I mean, it's, we've, we as a society, we as a country, we as a nation, like, we've been around too long for yeah for that not to have happened.
0: Yeah. And it sounds horrible and evil, but absolutely at the same time, it does. it's like,
1: But I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, you know. Hearsay, history is written by the victors. Yeah, at all times. And so, there's a lot to be said for cover-ups. There's a lot to be said for uh, political scheming. There's a lot to be said for um, placating the masses Mm -hmm. to achieve whatever goal you want, whether that's world peace, whether that's you know political ambitions, whatever. Sure. Um, Peace and I think that really the people who suffer are people like. Looking glass, or sure. people, people like on Wade, the ground, individuals, people sure. on the ground who are shaping their entire lives aren't a lie.
0: Well, people that can be erased without having issues, I of mean, course. You know, we talked about the JFK situation. There were right. a whole bunch of people that got erased that we'll never know about. But I'm sure of at the time course. they thought their lives were very important. So
1: yeah, and I mean it's it's really fascinating when you get into like conspiracy theories and stuff. But um, I think the uh, the ending of that is super sad as well because yeah. after you see him take the eds machine back into his house it lingers and i thought the episode was going to end there you know with the music playing and this idea that the person who we thought had his life most together has now had it ripped away from him yeah but that's not all that happens It lingers a little bit too long and then a van pulls up seventh cavalry members jump out they've got shotguns and you see that Senator Joe Keene is a fucking liar. <laughs> that. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm assuming they go in there and they kill him to silence him um, because there's that idea that at some point he could spill the truth. Yeah. Or if they went there to capture him and to make sure that he gets, you know, forcibly inducted in the 7th Cavalry. But. Or he served his purpose. You know, we just talked about True. JFK and
0: and, and, and the Patsies. Like, mm-hmm. He was kind of the guy that served the purpose that they needed to get Angela kind of just right. out of the picture for a while. That's now happened. Absolutely. Yes. And so, now everyone
1: knows that, um, or at least Lori and Looking Glass know that uh, Angela's grandfather supposedly killed, killed Judd. Yeah. And... In that scene as well she downs all of his pills yeah which is gonna be the through line for the next episode it She's looks gonna like be we're gonna we're experiencing all of his yeah. all of his memories and we're gonna finally get some answers on him I've been yeah. waiting for his stuff but um, alongside all of this and we're gonna talk about it very quickly here because we're, uh, we're we're heading a little long um, <laughs> we got to talk about Adrian Veidt. We talked a lot about his influence. We've talked a lot about the effects of his actions. But this episode also gave us a big uh, push forward for his story in this show. So he's been trying to get out for four years. um, And we finally see him all suited up in his little space suit uh, with his servants getting him into this catapult that he's been using to launch dead bodies into wherever. And we see him get in the catapult. They launch him, and it's almost like, um, if we want to make a reference to modern superhero stuff, it's almost like Wakanda. When you get that first shot of them flying the ship into the oh, trees, yeah. and then suddenly—that's true. Yeah, you're suddenly in Wakanda. Yeah. Um, you know, he's flying into the clouds, and suddenly whoop, he's in space. Where do and you he think he live? I think he's on. Um, and I mean, I—I'm sure. no astronomer here, <laughs> but I think he's on the moon of Mars. If Mars has a moon, I don't, I know, don't if, know if it does. I,
0: I don't know if he's on... I think he's on the moon.
1: But Although, he's on a moon, Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: the red planet, I, I they show that... It, yeah, I think it's going to be somewhere near Mars. And,
1: and all of our listeners who are astronomers, please yell at us that right. Mars either does or doesn't have moon. They
0: moons. did see a satellite. That was the right. spiel, right? So that means it has to be a place it has to where,
1: be somewhere that we've sent satellites yes. or other... Monitoring devices, but you see, the real reason that he's been throwing all these bodies through this catapult up into space is that he is using those bodies to spell out, Save Me, yeah. to let the world know that he's there. So we know now that he was forcibly ripped from the world, mm-hmm. as it's kind of been alluded to. Um, and that he's trapped there, and he's trying to escape. Yeah. So he gets yanked back after making his message that is picked up on the satellite. Yeah,
0: they make it very clear to say it was received.
1: Um, he's confronted by the game warden, yeah, who we finally get to see in all of his Lone Ranger glory. Uh,
0: who the fuck is that?
1: I don't know. Okay, because like, there's a part of me idea. that thought I was like, oh, it's um, it's Mr. Phillips, it's another Mr. Phillips just with a mustache, because he says he calls him Master Adrian. He call or Master Vite, but he calls him the master. Yeah. So he's one of the denizens of that place, but he's also, you know, serving their god, which of course has to be Dr. Dr. Manhattan. Man. Yeah. So, so we know that he was the person who created this. We don't know that he was the one who ripped Adrian from the world to put him there. Um, it's implied. Yeah. But the game warden, you know, takes off his helmet and he basically says, like, you're under arrest. He says you're sentenced. He yeah. says like
0: that's – they made the world or God have mercy on your soul. Mm-hmm. That's And we
1: don't know exactly what's going to happen with that. So I'm interested to see yeah. what him being sentenced and arrested means in that world.
0: I think they're going to pull him out. Well, good to our – I think because now we have teleportation and we have right.
1: – we know Save Me was seen. Mm-hmm. So it's like – So, so okay. they know that something's up there now.
0: Yeah. That, that'll so, – yeah.
1: Um, there will be space travel involved, I'm sure, especially with the Millennium Clock and all that stuff. No, that's true, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is the episode. I think we've covered pretty much everything. Is there anything I, no, that no, you have? No, I think it was, I think it was fantastic. Episode. So, I, I fi- final it. thoughts, um, final thoughts on the episode. I thought it was just, it, it. I think it was the best episode so far. Hands down. Really, really was. Yeah. They took the time um you got invested you were invested in the characters dropping the bombshell that has different um connotations for different levels of viewership i think it's you know some people who didn't know any of the stuff prior to going in their minds blown like this is a lie some people the people who did know going in it's like all right now we're getting to the juicy stuff all the <laughs> spicy stuff um it's tragic it's sad it is an hour of tragedy and i think it's perfectly acted really really well done yeah it pushes the story forward while also serving the greater world building involved mm-hmm. final thoughts uh
0: no I, I think you nailed it i really i again i love the allegories and the parallels between some of the things that they mentioned in this episode and like history within our our world 9-11 mm-hmm. um Again, the Holocaust and the system whatnot I think that was that was really something and I I love the idea and again the last part of the the show when he takes EDS box out it's like your belief whether it's true or not can kind of create your reality I know that's kind of just it it sounds rudimentary to say or or almost like yeah of course dumbass but at the same time if you have believed something your entire life and all of a sudden somebody changes that does that mean that you change your entire belief system Mm. because it didn't for weight. He took that, and I, you know what I mean. It's like this is who I've always been, and now I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna end up dying with these same beliefs, and nobody can tell me different. And that's why little fear of lightning is.
1: Uh, yeah, talk about because you mentioned that you, know, you wanted to talk about the title.
0: Well, and that's part of it too, because I think that w- that specifically talks to the event. But the truth of it is, once you know about it, it's just, you know. It was just it it wasn't extra dimensional. It just was something that was fabricated by a power that you didn't understand at that point. But the truth of it is it's just a little bit of lightning. There's not much that, that's what it was. So to me I, I loved it. I loved it. And you know, we're in episode five. Right.
1: Next week we know we're gonna get a flashback episode. Mm-hmm. We can we pretty much get that. So after that we've got three more episodes left right. to so. either wrap this up or leave us with a cliffhanger that'll get us into a season two. Oh, um, which I, I think I can. We're halfway through the season now, and I think I can comfortably say that it's gonna get a season two. Yeah, it has to.
0: Yeah, with I mean how good way, this has been. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna be, uh, and I, I definitely think will Although I, they could take it with the whole. Not- it doesn't have to be with this cast. There, this oh, absolutely, story it could be an anthology. May be done. Yeah, right. I mean, we may end. Up, we may do a story in New Jersey. That may be where Who the knows? next story, yeah. which I do hope we which, get a season uh, two.
1: No, which, and honestly, I think it would be fascinating if they went that direction, where it's like every season is a different town, because they've done such a good job with the world building here yeah. that I'm ready to see stories of other people in other towns. Like True,
0: right? We don't know much about True, but can you imagine you getting kind of her story, kind of right. how
1: she's gotten to that point? Yeah, so, I want to see a story in New York. Yeah. I want to see how they were shaped
0: or by Vietnam. This. You know, the 51st
1: state, which absolutely in itself would say
0: something. But but anyway, we'll we'll get there when we get but
1: there. But yeah, I overall i think this was a fantastic episode um so definitely tune in next week for the review of episode six and uh otherwise feel free to let us know on twitter instagram through email at Explained pod that's at Explained pod or through email because i'm an old man and i still read emails to geeksplained at gmail.com Same. uh so yeah tune in next week i'm really excited about this flashback episode we're taking a step back we're gonna see where angela's grandpa has been this whole time i think there's a good possibility that he might be hooded justice oh shit um but i'm i'm interested to see if that ends up happening but uh <laughs> yeah so for now for geek explained this is eric kazana and chris carter and we will see you next time